Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Um, So this is my last week with you this week, and I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. I felt so very welcomed here every single week. I've had people come up to welcome me and, and just kind of comment on what I've been sharing, and I just wanted to thank you so much. It's been a really lovely experience being here, so thank you for having me in August. Um, yeah, so day, today we're going um, to have a look at Jesus and hope today, so as the last kind of in this little series looking at faith and mental health. Um, yeah, so we've been on quite a journey. Here we go. So we started looking in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, at Moses and obedience. And we just had a look at how um, Moses faithfully served God across the time and was really remembered as being this giant of the faith. Um, and yet we had a look at some examples of where there seemed to be some anxiety there for Moses and some big emotion that came out for him and kind of, yeah, dictated some of his behavior at the time. Um, but then we read right at the end that he finished well, right on the borders of the Promised Land, handed over um, to Joshua, who then took the Israelites into the Promised Land. Um, However, once in the Promised Land, in the next week, we saw that um, the Israelites decided to move sort of away from and then back towards God. So they started to turn away from this God who had taken them out of Egypt and, and delivered them into this Promised Land, made a covenant with them, and the Israelites decided to turn away from that, to, to make a decision to turn away from God. Um, and so he, um, God started to raise up prophets to warn the people of what was going to happen if they continued to break the covenant. And Jeremiah, of course, was one of those prophets. So he had an extremely unpopular message, and we just looked at how difficult his ministry was and his life, the life that he lived was. Um, and we sort of looked at some of those emotions that came up for Jeremiah because of that really difficult ministry and what he did with those emotions. Um, which was using lament to bring them to God and release them to God. Um, So not shying away like Unikitty. And then we jump forward to the New Testament. We had a look at Peter. Um, I always love reading about Peter, his passion and his his impulsiveness, because I feel like I kind of in that that space quite a bit, often say things. I'm like, yeah, why? Why Why did I do that? Um, So I always love reading about Peter and just the way that despite this, despite these big emotions and these impulsive actions and missing the mark over and over again to the point that he full-on denied Jesus, Jesus welcomed him back with open arms and we looked at that that process of forgiveness or rupture and repair we were going to talk about in in Psych Talk. Um, And not only was he welcomed back and forgiven, but he was commissioned um, and turned out to be known as the rock of the church. um, which is pretty incredible. So that's a quick overview of the last three weeks. And today we're going to have a look at Jesus. Um, and again, I think I mentioned this before, well, it's really difficult to sort of diagnose any of the biblical characters with a mental illness or disorder because you don't have enough information. We can look at the emotions they experience, which often mimic some of those very intense emotions that people with mental disorders experience. Um, and I think sometimes... And I think I've been known to do this. We sort of see Jesus um, as kind of a little bit of, a, I don't know, like he sort of cruised through life when he was here on earth. Do you know what I mean? So he's sort of like all calm all the time and just took everything in his sort of, you know, because he's God, right? 
Like, he's fully God. So, of course, you know, he would have just kind of cruised through. Um, but the reality is he was also fully human, yeah, which means he felt, <laughs> and he felt quite deeply at times. Um, and he also felt the full spectrum of emotion that we humans feel. It wasn't just joy or happiness. It was the full spectrum of emotion that Jesus felt when he was here on earth. Um, so I just wanted to take a little moment and have a look at some examples um, of some of the emotions that Jesus felt while he walked the earth. Um, and I love this story in, about Lazarus' death, so grief in response to Lazarus' death. I think this is a beautiful story of um, connection that Jesus had with the people that he walked with while on earth. So in John 11, 17 to 35, we read, When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. But deeply moved, deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And what I love about this story is that Jesus is there feeling the grief, you know, not only for Mary and Martha, Lazarus's brothers, but also for himself. You know, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus as well. And so we see this deep grief welling up at Lazarus' death. And yet he knew the end of the story. Isn't that beautiful? Like he, he was in that moment with the grief and, you know, grieving with this family, knowing he was about to raise Lazarus. And yet he didn't, you know, like fob them off or invalidate what they were feeling or turn them away. He wept with them. He grieved with them. And I think that's, you know, a really beautiful thing. I think it captures how Jesus really saw people while he was here on earth. So many times in the Bible we read that he had compassion on them. So his heart really went out to people. He was deeply moved by what he saw in the world. Another emotion that he saw, he experienced, was anger. Um, and, and, th- and this little verse we'll look at was anger when he saw the temple turned into a marketplace. So in John two thirteen to 17, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the market changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. And again, you see the deepness of the anger. It wasn't just, I'm a little bit frustrated here. Like, how dare you do this? But he was turning over tables and scattering coins. This wasn't just a little bit of anger that Jesus was experiencing. It was actually quite big and intense. Um, And I think anger is one that a lot of us really struggle with. I know I do. That's the hardest one I find to sit with. Like, I'm good with sad, good with grief, good with so many things. Conflict and anger. Whoa. (laughs) I find that really, really hard. Anger is a really tricky one to sit with because it often does come out quite explosively. Um, but anger is actually really important. Anger is all about justice. Yeah? So we often get angry when things are unjust or not right. And so anger is such an energetic emotion because it's there to tell us we need to do something to fix the situation. This is not right. when It needs to be fixed. Um, so when Jesus saw the way that 
God's house was being misused, um, he got angry because that wasn't right. It wasn't right with the people, these market, the marketplace was, you know, set up and using, you know, God's house, this place of worship and prayer as a marketplace, as a, a money-making opportunity. Um, hence the anger. Um, and the last little example we look at is despair as his death approached. So in Matthew 26, 36, we read, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Again, not just a little bit sad here. (laughs) We're overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is deep despair at being face to face with what God has asked him to do which was give his life in a very painful and suffering way to disconnect himself from God. (laughs) This is huge. He was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch for me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So despite this overwhelming sorrow, he brought it to God, just as Jeremiah, as we saw Jeremiah did, and he said, I'll continue, I'll, I'll, do, I'll, I'll do what you have willed. We'll make this happen. And thank God he did, right? Because his sacrifice made it possible for us to be here today and to have that connection with God. So as we look at how Jesus responded when he was on earth, to me it makes a whole heap of sense. I don't know about you, but when I look in the, out into the world, I do get filled with sorrow and anger and despair at times. It's... You know, there's a lot going on in our world that's not pleasant to look at or think about. And I think um, part of it is because this, we're in this sort of good but fallen place right now. So we read in Genesis 1 that God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So after he'd finished creating everything and he looked at the world, it was good. It was as he intended. But the fall, Yeah. So yet again, it's the humans turning away, saying, not God, I'm not going to go sort of with what you've, what you've planned for us. I'm going to make my own choices. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. And of course, sin enters the world, and we get this state of good but fallen. Um, and we're also living in a place of now, not yet. So obviously God's plan to fix this good but fallen, to, to fix the state of sin and the disconnection that it's caused, was for Jesus to come and give his life and initiate God's kingdom on earth. That's also what Christ's death did. It just didn't just mean that as individuals we can come to God and be forgiven, but it set off this whole process of making all things right again, Yeah, bringing God's kingdom back to earth so things were good as he intended them to be. The problem is the fullness of the kingdom is yet to come. So while Christ's death initiated the process, it's not going to be complete until he returns when all things will be made new again and will be perfected. So this means we're kind of living in this time of transition or tension, which is really uncomfortable for human beings. I don't know if you've noticed that, but humans aren't generally comfortable with change or differences or that tension sitting in this place where we're kind of 
now but not yet, that we're not really quite there. Um, always transition. It comes up a lot in my work and just think, you know, always around transitions. People often come. Things like starting school, leaving school, thinking a new job, you know, where a, a relationship breaks up. It's often transition times when people come for support because they're tricky. It's hard. Um, and we found ourselves in this place kind of constantly right now in this time of transition. And we can see the good. We can see the good that God intends a lot of the time. Um, and we can actually provide glimpses of that. Every time we show kindness to somebody or pray for them or help them out, we're giving those little glimpses of the kingdom, yeah, of what God intended. So we can see the good. The good is still there. But unfortunately, the world is still fallen. We still sin. We still see sin in the world right there alongside the good. So it is this sort of sense of tension. And I think this is where those emotions that we looked at that Jesus experienced came from, right? He came to this world. He knew what it was meant to be. It was meant to be good. <laughs> and yet he comes. And yes, there is still good. But there's also this sin and fallenness there alongside. Um, so I think really the only response that Jesus and us as humans can have to this fallenness is these kind of feelings, is this sadness and despair. It makes sense, you know. It's a human reaction to seeing things that are not as they should be. And this is where often mental health comes from as well. So lots of research into this around, um, you know, what we see and how, what we're surrounded by and how that impacts on our mental health. And so when things aren't right around us, when we see, you know, the, all the disasters that are happening in the world or experiencing trauma or whatever it is, of course we're going to respond with these big emotions. This makes sense. And I think this is beautifully put in Romans. So in Romans 8, 8 to 25, I wanted to read this out because I think it captures this now, not yet, really beautifully and this sort of tension that we're living in. I think Paul does an amazing job of describing that. So he says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. And I love here that you're talking about creation. The whole universe is in this place, right? It's not just humans that are good but fallen. It's the whole of creation. It's kind of groaning in this, in this transitional space, in this space where it shouldn't, feels like it shouldn't be, right? This is not what's intended. Um, so the whole of creation. So when we look out at the whole of creation, we see evidence of this fallenness all of the time. So we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So again, I think that captures that tension so well, right? Like we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We've accepted Christ as our Saviour. We have the Holy Spirit living in us. We're in this beautiful relationship with God, and yet <laughs> we're still waiting. Yeah, it's not quite right. We're still waiting for that redemption that will come. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. 
Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And here is the beauty of it, that hope that we have, yeah? So it is pretty depressing sometimes looking around and, and seeing where the world is. But we do have a hope. You know, we know that Christ has come. Um, and one day he will come again. And we know that everything will ma- be made right. So our hope is well-founded, yeah? We might not have it yet, <laughs> but it's well-founded. We have something to look forward to. Um, so I think when we read um, sort of Paul in Romans, I think it really what it's saying or what I read is that we can expect to suffer in this now, not yet. Um, and I think that's a very countercultural thing. I think our culture is very um, much based around being happy. I don't know if anyone else has noticed that, but there's quite a push all the time, right? Like happiness is the, is the goal, is the ideal. That's what we should all be working for. And if you're not happy, what's wrong with you? Like there's, there must be something wrong. Um, but I think the Bible tells us a different story. I, I don't think the Bible tells us that happy is the ultimate goal. I think the Bible tells us to actually expect suffering, to expect that this in-between time is going to be really hard because it's not what God intended for us. And I think this means that we will expect those, those big emotions, those difficult times. We can expect mental illness to still be around because we're in this now, not yet. Things aren't quite right. But I think what we can also know is that Jesus understands. <laughs> when we read about the emotions that Jesus experienced while we're here, you know, it's not that he's sort of looking down on us. I think it's the difference between empathy and sympathy, yeah? So sympathy is when you don't really get what's going on for the person, but you kind of feel sorry for them. Like, oh, how terrible for you. Like, I'm so sorry that that's happened to you. But you don't have a sense of the feeling, whereas empathy is, I know that. I've been there. I've seen that feeling. I know what that is. I know what that's like. And I'm willing to sit with you in this and be with you. That's Jesus. Jesus was here. He saw the world as it was. He saw the fallen world and he felt. <laughs> and he, he feels what we feel when we're going through difficult times. We don't have a Jesus that's kind of up there away and disconnected. We have a Jesus that's been and is so fully aware how we feel. And he is so willing to come and sit alongside us and feel with us. And hold us in that space. And I think that's just such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. But I think the best news is, it's not always going to be this way. I get so, so much joy from thinking about that. We do have hope. We have a well-founded hope. A hope that we can rely on. That Jesus will come back. He'll bring a new creation. Everything will be made new. As I was preparing this sermon, um, my pastor at Stafford Heights said it would be nice if you could give you know, an example from your own life just to kind of ground it. And the example that came to mind, and I, I've probably cried now, just given you a heads up, ready for emotion. Um, but I think a couple of weeks ago I shared my really quite difficult year. We had a lot happen. And if you, you might remember one of the things that happened was my mum was diagnosed with early onset dementia. So she was in her um, late 50s when she was diagnosed. 
Um, so across these last, how many years is that? I keep losing count now. must be like seven or eight now. But we have watched this dementia progress. And we've, absolutely, I couldn't do anything about it. No one could stop the progression of dementia. It's a horrible, horrible thing to have to watch. My grandmother died of dementia, so we had seen the process before. We knew exactly what was going to happen. We were not protected by night, like ignorance or any sort of... We knew exactly what was going to happen. So I've sat and I've watched my mom slowly unlearn everything she's ever learnt in life. To the point that now, when I visit, she, she can't walk, she can't talk, she can't feed herself, she can't go to the bathroom. There is absolutely no recognition of who I am. And there are moments where I, in this process, where I have felt extremely hopeless and in despair because there was nothing I could do. I just had to watch (laughs) while my mum was slowly taken away. And one of the things I think sounds really funny that it's helped, but is Psalm 88. Is anyone familiar with Psalm 88? So I know when we talked about Jeremiah and lament, one of the things we talked about was that pattern of lament, and it often ends in praise. Psalm 88 doesn't end like that. Psalm 88 ends, darkness is my only friend. And I am so glad that Psalm 88 is in the Bible because it tells us that sometimes humans do find ourselves in this hopeless place. Sometimes this is where we land, and that's okay. (laughs) It's okay. And so I've clung to that little Psalm 88 verse, knowing that even though I feel really hopeless sometimes, this is a human response to what I'm watching play out in my life right now. And again, now not coming back to now, not yet. Despite this... (laughs) You know, God has been good. Um, I have a really beautiful, some really beautiful close relationships and friendships in my life where they let me be in that place when I need to. They just sit with me. And that's completely 100% okay. So I've had these really gorgeous, gorgeous people in my life to help me through. Um, And God often reminds me, I think, when I'm really struggling and when I'm... Yeah, in that hopeless place, it can just be even just little, small, little things, you know. Like I'll hear from someone I haven't heard from for a while or someone will do something kind, I don't know. But there's always been these little reminders, you know. And, yeah, I guess I call them like little sustainers or glimmers is something I've heard recently. And it's kind of like even when we are in those hopeless places, we can find those little moments that sustain us through. You know, those little glimmers. Um, And it could be something as simple as having a cup of tea. God, I love my tea. It's just so beautiful. Or even, I would say getting up to see the sunrise, but I am never awake for that. So, you know, maybe a beautiful sunset. Or I've just recently put a bird feeder in my front yard, and I get so much joy just seeing the variety of birds that come and feed. So it can just be little things that can sort of sustain us. And, of course, prayer. Yeah, connecting to God, just like Jeremiah did. So even though it's been... You know, those moments of hopelessness, I think God is faithful and he is there. And we're slowly walking this path together, God and I, (laughs) Um, with the hope that, yeah, 
Mum also is not always going to be like that, yeah? When she passes, you know, she'll be reconnected and everything will be whole again. She will be her. Yeah, but hard. Just as a recap, (laughs) I think we can sort of expect these moments of distress in our lives. We can expect to be sad and angry and in despair because of what is around us, because of this fallenness. But Jesus 100% understands and will be there with us 100% of the time and he will come back and all will be made right. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Lord God, it can be hard sometimes when we look around at the world. Things are not right. (laughs) There is so much pain and suffering when we look around. And it can be hard. I think it's easy to get drawn into that. Um, We just pray that we thank you that you have left, though, the good in the world as well, so that when we're in this place, we can find those glimmers of hope, those little sustainers that can get us through. And thank you so much that we have this overall hope that one day you will come back and make everything right. And I'd just like to really pray today for those people that might find themselves in these places of hopelessness, where they're going through a very difficult stage, where it's hard, where it's so, so hard. Please make your presence known to them. Sustain them through this time. Help them to know that you are there and not just there, but you understand that you come with empathy. You've felt what we've felt, dear Lord Jesus. Thank you that you have felt what we've felt and will be there right alongside. And help us to remember that there is that hope. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.